Coming up in this podcast, resources contracts, unemployment, solar power, BHP, the CEO sleepout and apartment developments. Welcome to Mark My Words, the weekly podcast from Business News with Mark Pownall and Mark Beyer discussing the important business news and data stories from Western Australia. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Uh, Mark, some positive news to start with. A few decent-sized contracts have been awarded. Uh, What are they? What signal do you see from that? Yeah, look, this builds on something we were talking about last week where there was a few companies like Primero Group, RCR Tomlinson, Civmec picking up some very substantial contracts in the resources sector, which you know, we, we say this quite a lot and I think it needs to be reminded. There is still a lot going on, a lot of investment happening. Some of the uh, ones that have just come through, Monodelphus has picked up a big contract up at the ICTIS project. Uh, Witten's, they're a concrete contractor. They've picked up a big uh, contract up there as well. Um, ironically, they've stepped into a project that Lang O'Rourke walked away from. Oh, so this is one of the other themes that's come through, these contractual disputes that mm. happen late in the piece with these big projects. Lang O'Rourke had a run-in with Kawasaki. That's opened up an opportunity for yeah. other people. That was national news from recollection. That was a big deal. Yes, yes, and still before the courts. Um, Lang O'Rourke actually had a win in the Supreme Court, but you know, these disputes drag on for an awfully long time. And uh, the other one that came up, um, Gold Road is developing the Gruyere Gold Project. So you know, one of several very significant new gold developments in Western Australia. They've awarded the big engineering and construction contract to a joint venture between Civmec, a local company, and AMAC Foster Wheeler, they're a global engineering group, you know, $300 million, um, 300 jobs. So, you know, that's a nice boost for uh, those organisations and, uh, and some positive economic news there. Yeah, right. No, that's good. Uh, and it is good to see um, that kind of activity. Uh, now, unemployment has fallen. I guess that's <laughs> obviously more good news. Yes. What's the story there? Yeah, look, um, the, the national figures came out during the week. Uh, nationally, the unemployment rate's about 5.5%. And in Western Australia, it's actually come down to the national level. Yeah, right. You know, for a long while there, Western Australia had one of the worst unemployment rates in the country. Um, so that's changed. Now, every time we talk about these numbers, I do remind people that this is an estimate based on a fairly small um, survey sample. Mm. So it's not you know, the exact number of jobs that exist. It's an estimate. And, and to be fair, there's been quite a bit of conjecture, what, the last 18 months or so since the, uh, the ABS changed the way it manages these statistics. Yes, and, and the numbers can jump up and down quite a lot month to month. But, but one of the points that the economic commentators like Comsec have highlighted here is that it's three months in a row nationally where we've had significant growth in the number of jobs. Mm -hmm. And the latest figure was, um, I think, 52,000 extra jobs were created around Australia. Right. Um, And most of them were actually full-time jobs. Yeah, well, my reading of the figures was, I think they actually lost 10,000 part-time jobs. Is Mm. that right? So I think the net, is the net gain 42,000 jobs? Yes, 52,000. 52,000 is the net. Okay, there you go. Yeah. And that's a change because for a while there, all the growth was in part-time jobs. Yes. So it's, once again, encouraging that we're mm. seeing this growth in full-time jobs. And do you have enough detail around WA and how that reflects Look, here? there was some growth in the number of jobs in Western Australia. 
um, not a huge number. Um, but, you know, that, that unemployment rate, it's, it's an encouraging sign. Totally, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And I, I think it was 6.9 not that long ago, if I recall. That's right. And yes. it came down to 6.1. So we're, we're seeing some big drops. So let's hope the statistics are, 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 are an accurate reflection of what's going on. Now, look, uh, something different. Um, we're, a new report found solar power is having an impact on the electricity market. What were some of the key findings there? Yeah, look, there's a group called the Australian Energy Market Operator, a bit of a mouthful. So they manage the wholesale electricity market in, in WA and the rest of the country. So they do an annual report where they look at you know, what's going on and where are the opportunities in future. They're saying that the, the peak electricity demand last summer, in fact, it was the lowest level in about eight years, and solar uh, panels on suburban households actually cut the peak by 7%. Mm. And so this is a continuation of a trend we've seen for some time. Uh, About one in four households have solar PV on their roof. And so last year, the, uh, the, the volume of capacity in solar PV went up by 130 megawatts, mm-hmm. so quite substantial, yeah. and they're anticipating it will keep on growing at around that level. So it's, it's having it's affecting the electricity market in several ways, and one of them is there's a new term I've discovered, the duck curve, which, uh-huh. which the boffins in the market talk about. <laughs> right. So, Not the J curve, the duck curve. So, you know, traditionally... Electricity demand sort of drops off during the middle of the day and then picks up again in the evening. So, you know, but the difference between the low point in the middle of the day and the peak around 6 p.m., you know, traditionally it was about 500 or 600 megawatts. Mm -hmm. It's now double that. Mm, And that's because the solar PV is meeting more of the demand in the middle of the day. Right. But at the end of the day, sun goes down, everybody comes home, turns on everything, yep. that peak is, well, st- hasn't changed all that much. So they're saying that the all those gas-fired uh, power plants that need to come on and crank up to meet that peak, they're saying that they'll actually have a bigger challenge and that that, in fact, may increase costs in the electricity market. Yeah, okay. See, it's pretty fascinating, isn't it? That, so that the idea that, in fact, it's base load that's dropped, not peak... Yes. Substantially, it really is, isn't it? That's the story there. Yep. Um, well, look, I guess, like, like as has been talked about much, I guess batteries will become the, the big part and that'll be the interesting next development in that market because if you can take your baseload down in the middle of the day and shift some of that power across to some of that electricity can be stored in batteries and therefore you don't have quite the... That, then that can be used in the household rather than pushing it all onto gas peaking at the end. So, yeah. And that was a point we discussed um, they're well aware of that trend, but find it very hard to quantify yeah. exactly how much impact that's going to have. Mm. So it's a very challenging sort of environment for people that are trying to anticipate, you know, how much electricity will we be using in three, five, ten years? Yeah, right. Because the technology is changing so rapidly. Yeah, yeah, which is great for consumers, probably. But uh, a challenge if you're a large infrastructure builder, you know, either the electricity grid managing that or building new power plant. Very challenging. Now, Mark, BHP has a new chairman. Who is he and what can you tell us about him? Yeah, Ken McKenzie, 
uh, not to be confused with Chief Executive Andrew McKenzie. No. Uh, but Ken joined the BHP board last year. Now, he had a very successful run as managing director of a company called Amcor. Uh, they're a, a global packaging business out of Australia. And you know they're not really a household name. Um, they're one of those businesses that has just very quietly and very effectively built up a global enterprise. And they're one of the few Australian businesses that has in fact done that. You know, there are, over the years, many Australian businesses have tried to go global and lost a lot of money. Amcor has done it very effectively. So Ken McKenzie spent 10 years as managing director at Amcor uh, before leaving. Uh, interesting, I think, too, he's only 53, which to me, you know, I was quite surprised when I saw that. Um, I think that traditional perception listeners might have about the chairman of the board being an elderly gent in his 60s with grey hair. Mm. Uh, well, Ken does not fit that mould at all. Um, so, you know, he's already had 10 years running a, a successful global business. Um, so, yeah, he's 50, 53. And, you know, in a way, that's a reflection about how big a job it is. Yeah being chairman of BHP. I think you do. You you need to be a bit more top of your game. And, I mean, especially BHP, you you mentioned the fact that they've had a more challenging time with their their own uh, business, but they've also got this activist shareholder giving them a very hard time. I forget the name. Is it Elliott Group or whatever it is out of the US? Um, And I note, too, you know, this... this, advertising campaign they're doing at the moment it's part of a name change but it's bigger than that they're trying to woo the public again on how kind of uh, I don't know nice they are which I kind of wonder where that's heading but obviously that's part of just trying to soften some image issues they presume they have Um, I know they're advertising in all the national press we haven't seen too much of that here but I'm you know (laughs) so Mm -hmm. be it Um, I you know I wonder what he is inheriting there and uh yeah, well, interesting times for him. Uh, now, speaking of, uh, well, this is CEOs, not chairman. CEO Sleepout. Uh, I see Barry Felstead is again heading the leaderboard in WA. Yeah, look, this is a, an annual fundraiser that the Vinnies run to raise money for the homeless, uh, something that Business News has supported um, over many years. And there's 119 people participating in the Perth Sleepout this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at its peak, I think it's raised close to a million dollars some years. So if you know someone who's participating, um, or you can jump on the website and see who's there, and uh, it's a very good cause to support. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the people um, spend the night um, under the stars, sleeping rough. You get a, a cardboard box, a collapsed cardboard box as your mattress, Bring you along your sleeping bag, and uh, we'll see how cold it's going to be next Thursday, uh, the 22nd, which is when they'll be sleeping out under the stars. But yeah, you mentioned Barry Felstead, he's been a regular. Uh, Raymond Tan, uh, the lawyer from Tan and Tan, um, another regular. Um, Keith Gordon is there. Uh, Brad McFarland from uh, Ben's, uh, that's a, a group that supported it over many years. Uh, Danny Pissaros, apartment developer. So, um, you know, some notable names. Yeah. In fact, there's a few uh, property people there. I see Matthew Podesta from Mont Property and Shane Ball from Ballpoint Construction Group. So, yeah, interesting. There's a bit of construction and property at that. So, good to see people like that putting the time in. I have done that once. 
and it was cold. I did struggle, I must admit. So we'll have to see whether or not I can be dragged back into that at some point. Uh, Likewise, I had I had months. a turn. Yeah, um, yeah. In fact, it uh, it rained the night I was there, mm. so we all had to find a spot under shelter. So I was in underneath one of the stands on the outer side of uh, the Wacker ground. Yeah, well, I th- you know, and, and the night I did it, it didn't rain, and I'm sure it was about the coldest night in Perth's history. But anyway, you know, the bones are still there. Now, Mark, um, well, mentioning property and construction, our special report this week is apartments. Uh, that's a big feature these days, which is quite a contrast to 10 years ago. What's the story at the moment? What's Dan Wilkie found? Yeah, look, Dan's spoken to a lot of the big players in the market. Look, you know, the broad trend is that uh, there's been quite a substantial lift in the volume of apartment developments in Perth in recent years, uh, but that's led to concern about an oversupply. So looking at some of the, the headline numbers, there's about 46 apartment projects currently under construction in WA. They'll add about 3,800 apartments to the market. Mm-hmm. The big question is, what will follow? Um, the, the ones that are getting support are in, uh, you've got to get, you know, well, the classic property line, got to get the right location. So, you know, there are some apartment developments around Claremont Oval, uh, which are doing very well. Uh, some around Florida, um, some around the inner city. Um, but there's a lot less than uh, people had been talking about. And in recent weeks, we've seen several projects get canned because they just haven't been able to get the pre-sales. Right. Um, and then the banks have tightened up their lending. You know, they're talking about 80% pre-sales before they'll lend for an apartment project. Yes. So that's, that's a pretty high bar to get over. Um, so ironically, uh, people like Paul Blackburn are now concerned that two, three, four years down the track we might, in fact, have another shortage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this classic Perth cycle we seem yeah. to have. and But that's a reflection of the fact that you know, these things have a very long lead time from, from conception through all the planning approvals, the pre-sales, the construction, several years. Well, there, and, you know, I think you nailed the, the approval process for these things. I mean, that is one of the issues, isn't it? You just can't meet the market because the approval process takes so long. And I always get surprised. I understand that... We're seeing this shift to apartments that didn't exist before, but you would think now that the councils where this is ma- mainly taking place would now have a series, you know, that th- their approval process would be understandable and something that developers could get through fairly quickly. If you know the rules, why do we? Why do they need to take so long to jump hoops? I don't get it. Um, you know, so that is one of those things that you would hope perhaps they need to adjust so that the the apartment developers can meet the market more quickly. Mm. And that's one of the things that Dan talks about, that he spoke to people like Gavin Hawkins, who's had the long saga with yep. the Lumiere project in South Perth, you know, and that's still unresolved. And he looks at other examples, you know, Cottesloe. Mm. The state government stepped in a few years ago and said, look, we can have multi-level developments along the ocean front there. Nothing is happening Yeah, because the council there and the community is so against it. Um, Subiaco, there's been issues. Sorrento, there's been issues. So we've got a long way to go. Um, Scarborough, the Metropolitan Redevelopment Authority, has taken over there. And and Three Oceans, Chinese group, have put up a a very big new development, um, and that seems to be progressing more smoothly. Um, But, yeah, we've got an awfully long way to go. 
Well, I guess that's what happened, isn't it? Some councils get it and they make it work and they get the benefit. Um, well, thanks, Mark. Uh, now, to our listeners, uh, how do you like this podcast? If you reckon what we do is worth recommending to others, please like us in the Apple iTunes store or wherever, wherever else you download your podcast. Even better, write a review. Uh, it all makes our product easier for others to find. The more people who listen to us, the more resources we can put into this service. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mark My Words with Mark Powell and Mark Bayer from Business News. For more information, please go to businessnews.com.au forward slash podcasts. And to receive these regularly, search for Business News WA in iTunes or SoundCloud.